Today on Daily Hope with Pastor Rick Warren, we continue in our riveting journey through the series, The Invisible War. In it, we'll explore the unseen world of good and evil and see how it impacts our day-to-day existence. Join us for eye-opening biblical insights into the spiritual dimensions that influence our lives in ways we never imagined. Right now, here's Pastor Rick Warren with part one of a message called, Winning the Battle Inside Me. Now, the Bible tells us that there are three mortal enemies to your life that are out to mess up everything God wants to do in your life. The Bible calls them the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world is the value system around you. The flesh is the old nature within you. And Satan is coming against you and his demons and his minions. During this series, we're going to look at what are angels and what do they do and what are demons and what do they do. But I want us to begin the series, we actually began it last week, by looking at the battle within. Because you are your own worst problem. You are your own biggest enemy. You know, I talk to a lot of people who... Uh, you know, go around and, and they say, you know, I've got so much stress from this boss and I've got so much stress from the kids and I've got so much going on from all these things and, and I've got all these problems in my life. I need to go to Tahiti. The problem with that is when you go to Tahiti, you take you. <laughs> I mean, it's like the people who talk to me and say, you know, I don't get it. All my relationships suck. And they move from one relationship to the next relationship to the next relationship to the next relationship to the next relationship. And uh, I, they say, you know, my, they, they just, I, why do I have such bad relationships? Well, what's the common denominator? <laughs> you. You're the common denominator. And so something's got to change in you first. Back in 1970, before many or most of you were born, uh, Walt Kelly, the famous cartoonist, had a, had a pogo cartoon that became an icon in American culture. It's here on the screen. It says, Pogo says, we have met the enemy, and he is us. And it's true. I'm my biggest problem. Most of the time, Satan doesn't even have to worry about tempting me, because I'm messing up my own life. Most of the time, Satan doesn't even have to think about you, because you're, you're doing a good job of screwing up yourself. So what happens is we have to work on all three of the enemies. We're going to start first with the internal war that goes on inside you. Then we're going to look at the world, and then we're going to look at at Satan. Now, you may identify with this letter that I got a while back. Pastor Rick, I need you to explain something to me. When I first came to Christ, everything seemed to change for the better immediately. I felt joy for being forgiven for all of my shame, and I felt peace knowing that God loved me. And I felt hope because I I learned that he had a purpose for my life. It was all a great relief. But after a while, my joy seemed to shrink. And following Christ became a struggle. Old habits reared up their head again. And I felt the tug of old ways coming back. Now this really frustrated me because I thought I was through with all of that. I want to do the right thing. But I lack the ability to do it and I can't seem to fulfill all of my good intentions. I know what is right, and I know what is wrong, and I really don't want to do wrong anymore. And I know God doesn't want me to do wrong. So why do I still make bad choices? What's wrong with me? 
It's so frustrating. I sometimes wonder if maybe I'm not really a Christian. Now, if you've ever felt that way, you came to church on a good weekend because you're not the only one. Fortunately, you're not alone. Every other believer has experienced this. And Paul himself, the greatest Christian who ever lived, who wrote most of the New Testament, next to Jesus Christ, is probably, without a doubt, the greatest Christian ever lived. He talks about this internal war in a very famous chapter of the Bible. It's called Romans chapter seven. What we're going to do this weekend is we're going to look at uh, the consequences or the conditions that happen in your life when this battle is going on. I, I, I call it the, uh, the, the, uh, the emotional costs, the emotional costs of having this battle in your life. And, and Paul says that there are six things that happen in your life when you don't know how to deal with this battle that's going on inside of you. And then Paul explains the cause of this battle, and then he explains the cure. And we're gonna look at that both this week and next week. Now I wanna just read you this passage first. Uh, it's up here on the screen, Romans chapter seven, verses 15 to 25. Here's what Paul says. And I really love this because it's a gut level, keeping it real kind of approach. Paul doesn't mince any words. He's transparent about his own struggles. He's very honest about the frustration he feels. Verse 15, he says this. I don't understand myself at all. For I really want to do what is right, but I can't. I do what I don't want to. I do what I hate. Now I know perfectly well that what I'm doing is wrong. And my bad conscience proves that I agree with these laws that I'm breaking. But I can't help myself because I'm no longer doing it. It is sin inside me that is stronger than I am. That makes me do these evil things. In other words, you know, I, know I, I don't want to gossip, but I end up doing it. I don't want to be impatient, but I end up being impatient. I don't want to say bad things to my kids, but I do. I, I know how to take better care of my health, but I don't. He just goes on he, on and on about all the things in life. He says, I, 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 it's sin inside me that's stronger than I am and makes me do these things. He says, I know I'm rotten inside as far as my old sin nature is concerned. But no matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. When I want to do good, I don't. And when I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. Now, if I'm doing what I, I don't want to do, it's plain where the trouble is. Sin still has, its, has me in its grip. He actually starts to seem a little discouraged here, like it's, like it's going to be unchangeable. He says, seems to be a fact of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love to do God's will as, so as, as so far as my new nature is concerned. But there's something else deep within me uh, in, my, in my lower nature that is as war within my mind and wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin that's still within me. In my mind, I want to be God's willing servant, but instead I find myself still enslaved to sin, my, my old ways. So you see how it is. My new life tells me to do right, but the old nature that is still inside me loves to sin. Oh, what a terrible predicament I'm in. Who will free me 
from my slavery to this deadly lower nature. Thank God it has been done by Jesus Christ our Lord. He has set me free. Now can you hear the frustration in this, in, in Paul's voice? Now Paul is bearing his soul and what's going on here is he's explaining the battle that happens in your life when two things occur. When you try to please God by your own strength, you're gonna be frustrated and you're gonna fail when you try to do it on your own strength. And number two, when you try to change things in your life from bad to good by simply willpower, it's not gonna work. And you're gonna eventually give up. Now, the, the encouragement that ought to be here is Paul is not a new believer. This guy's not a novice. He is a mature believer. He's writing a book that's actually in the Bible. He is a missionary to all of the Roman Empire. He is probably, as I said, the strongest Christian who ever lived next to Jesus himself. And yet he says, you know, sometimes I just can't figure it out. And there's things in me I want to do that are right, but I don't do them. And the things that are wrong that I end up doing. We're going to look this weekend in detail and this week and next week at how to win the battle inside you to change the things that you want to change but just can't seem to change. Now I want us to begin by looking at the cost of this emotional battle going on inside of you. The emotional drain of trying to do the right thing on your own power is exhausting. And eventually you get worn out. And Paul lists six emotional consequences. I want you to write these down. See if you identify with any of them. He says the first thing that happens when I try to fight the internal spiritual battle going on me on my own power is I get confusion, confusion. And he says that in the first verse here. Verse 15, he says, I don't understand myself. I don't understand myself at all. For I really want to do what is right, but I can't. I do what I don't want to. I do what I hate. Now before we even get into this, I want you to circle all of the eyes in this verse. I don't understand myself, for I really want to do what is right, but I can't. I do what I don't want to, what I hate. He's saying something's wrong with me. Now, in this one verse, he uses the first-person pronoun, I, six times. Now, this is the key to understanding this chapter. These are two famous chapters in the Bible. Romans 7 is about the defeated Christian life, and Romans 8, which we're going to look at next week, is about the victorious Christian life. And in Romans 7, Paul uses the word I over and over and over. In fact, in just 12 verses, he uses the word I 27 times. He uses the word my six times. He uses the word me six times. He uses the word myself two times. In all in all, he uses the first person pronouns 41 times in 12 verses. Paul has an I problem. <laughs> and you have an I problem. And I have an I problem. And the problem is, I try to do it all my way, and that's going to cause me to fail. I am my biggest problem. Now notice he says, I don't understand myself. I'm perplexed. Now that ought to encourage you. 
that even Paul, this great mature saint, doesn't have all the answers. If Paul doesn't have all the answers for life, it's okay for you not to have all the answers to life. It's okay for me to go, I can't figure out why I'm doing what I'm doing. You know, I've stopped trying to judge other people's motives. You know why? I can't even figure out my own half the time. You don't know why you do what you do half the time. Why can't I stop doing bad things and why don't I consistently do the stuff I know is good for me? He says it's confusing. The second thing that happens, and I don't know how to fight this battle, is guilt and shame. And God doesn't want you going around with a bunch of guilt and shame, but that's what happens when you try to fight a spiritual battle with human tools like willpower. He says in verse 16, the next verse, I know perfectly well what I'm doing is wrong. And my bad conscience proves that I agree with these laws I am breaking. And what's he saying? He goes, I know what I'm doing is wrong, and you do too. When you do it and you know it's wrong, and then you get a bad conscience. Circle the word conscience. You know where that word comes from? It's a Latin word. It comes from the word con, which means with in Latin, and science or scienta in Latin, which means knowledge. Conscience means you do something with full knowledge that what you're doing is wrong. You're not kidding yourself. I know I shouldn't eat this. I know I shouldn't watch this. I know I shouldn't say this. I know I shouldn't do this, but I'm gonna do it anyway. And I do it with full knowledge, which means my conscience goes on tilt. And it says, danger, Will Robinson, something's wrong here. Something is wrong. Guilt and shame happens. Do you, do you remember uh, Jesus, uh, the night before he was to go to the cross, he goes into this garden called the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, because he knows he's gonna take the guilt of the entire world on him in his life. And he takes three of his best friends, Peter, James, and John, in with him. He says, look, you guys, I just need you to hang out with me. I'm going through a tough time, it's an emotional conflict. I'm gonna go over here and pray for a while and I want you to just kinda of hang out here. You don't have to say anything, you don't have to give me any advice, I don't even need you to pray, I just want you to hang out with me. And sometimes that's all a good friend does. A good friend doesn't always have to have the answer, a good friend just shows up. They show up in your life, they walk in when everybody else walks out. And so Jesus says to, to Peter, James, and John, you guys just hang out here while I go over here and pray and I'm getting ready to go and die on the cross tomorrow. Well, Peter, James, and John fall asleep, and they're sawing logs, and Jesus comes back and goes, could you guys not hang out with me just for an hour or two? Could you, you know, without going to sleep? And then Jesus says to Peter, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Been there, done that. There's been a lot of times in your life when you're, you were willing to do the right thing, but you just didn't seem to have the power to do it. And that causes confusion and it causes guilt and shame. The third thing that causes when you don't know how to fight the battle going on inside you is it causes compulsions and addictions. Compulsions and addictions. What is that? It's when you start to do something so many times, it becomes habitual in your life, it becomes a habit, and then you cannot stop from doing it. You cannot not do it. It becomes a compulsion. It becomes a habit. It becomes an addiction. And Paul says this in the next verse. He says, you know, if I do these bad things enough, they just, I get addicted to them. He said, but I can't help myself because I'm no longer doing it. 
It's sin inside me that's stronger than I am that makes me do these evil things. He says, you know, i got great intentions, but I just can't seem to, to pull it off. Nothing, nothing changes. You see, we, because we're built with a human nature, and that's a fallen nature, there's sin in it, which means we have a natural inclination to do the wrong thing. We have a natural resistance to do the right thing. You don't like to do the right thing. You like to do the easy thing, and so do I. I like to do the popular thing. I like to do the comfortable thing. I like to do the thing that I think will make me most happy. I'm not interested in always doing the right thing. I'm interested in doing what's easy and what's comfortable and what's quick. And how many times have you started each day and you go, okay, in your mind you're going, okay, Lord, uh, today is gonna be different. Today is gonna be different. And by the end of the day, nothing has changed. And, and, and Paul says here, you know, I'm no longer doing it. Now when Paul says, it's, it's in me, this, I can't help myself because I'm no longer doing it, he's not making excuses. He's simply recognizing the fact that he has an old nature inside him that likes to sin. And by the way, so do I. And by the way, so do you. Now, we like to sin. Let's just admit it, sin is fun. It is, it's fun. In fact, nobody would do it if it was a bummer. <laughs> I mean, in fact, even the Bible says it. By, the Bible says in Hebrews, it says, there is pleasure in sin for a short time. There is pleasure in sin for a while, in the short term. There's pleasure in sin for a season, but then you're gonna have the consequences. Everything has a consequence. And if you have your kicks, you're gonna have your kickbacks. In other words, it's a whole lot of fun to go out and buy a whole bunch of new things on a credit card, but then you gotta pay for it, okay? It's one thing to go out and have a lot of fun and eat a whole lot of food, and then you gotta pay for it with indigestion or overweight, you know? It, it, it's one thing to stay up late all night and party all night, have a great time, but you're gonna pay for it the next day. You can go out and get drunk, but then you're gonna have the hangover. There is always a consequence to everything we do, and every kick has a kick back. And so he's saying, you know, uh, the sin is fun. There's no doubt about it. But there's always a, a payoff for it that is not worth the short-term pleasure. You're listening to Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. We're so happy you've chosen to study along with us today. Here's Pastor Rick with a letter from one of our listeners. Today I want to share with you a note I got in the mail from Alyssa. She wrote, Hi, Pastor Rick. I'm a 33-year-old living in Jamestown, North Dakota, and I'm married with three kids. I just want to thank you so much for your Daily Hope broadcast. I listen to them regularly, and I've learned so much. You know, I realized very quickly that I needed to have a notebook journal available to write down all the notes as I listen to you. I love the convenience that the podcasts have, and I turn them on as I'm getting ready in the morning while I'm cooking or I'm in the car traveling, and even when I'm working out, which is great. I've also been sharing them with several people. I often think of specific people that I want to share your podcast with after I've heard your message. I don't know if they've listened to them or not after I've shared them, but I do know that one of my friends has been regularly listening to you now. And I ran into her at the park when she was jogging, and when she stopped to say hi, I could hear your voice in her earbuds. <laughs> That's great. She's been struggling with a verbally abusive relationship for many years, and I know that your daily hope has helped her. 
Rick, God has really used you to reach so many people, and I thank you for being obedient to him and his calling to you. I will continue to pray for you. Thank you for impacting my life, Alyssa. Well, Alyssa, thank you for sending this message. You know, we live to hear these stories, and I'm so glad to hear how God is using daily hope, not only in your life, but in the life of your friends, because you cared enough to pass it on. So thanks for sharing that podcast with others. I know you're being a blessing to them. And I want to say to the rest of you, have you shared the news of of Daily Hope with anybody? Would you find one person today and recommend that they start listening to Daily Hope, either on the radio or on a podcast or getting the daily devotional through the email? We are here to help you fulfill your mission in sharing Christ with other people. So tell one person today about Daily Hope. If you'd like to bless Pastor Rick by letting him know how much this broadcast has helped you, please send him an email at rick at pastorrick.com. That's rick at pastorrick.com. Be sure to join us next time as we look into God's Word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Pastor Rick's Daily Hope and your generous financial support.